This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, you are listening to The Morning Run at 7.06 a.m. on Thursday, the 21st of December. I'm Shazana Mukhtar with Wang Xiaoning and Anwar Mahbob. We're going to kick off the morning with a recap on how global markets closed overnight. The Dow closed down 1.3% and the S&P 500 and NASDAQ was down 1.5%. On the Asian front, Nikkei was up 1.4%, Hang Seng was up 0.7%, the Shanghai Composite was down 1%, STI was down 0.3% and our very own FBM KLCI was down 0.1%. So for some thoughts on what's moving international markets, we have on the line with us Tony Nash, CEO of Complete Intelligence. Tony, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Very quickly, can maybe you help us understand why U.S. markets are down quite significantly significantly this morning? I thought it was a Christmas ma- rally all the way up to the end of the year. What explains um, the markets being in the red? The old Santa rally. Well, um, it, markets were doing great until about 1.30 Eastern time. And then they just fell off a cliff and we we closed uh, in the red. So um, even things like NASDAQ, uh, up until about uh, 1.30 p.m., uh, NASDAQ had been up 6% for the month. So it was doing extremely well. Um, and then things turned. And I think there's uh, there may be some whispers of, of an event coming uh, or there's fear that the Fed isn't going to be as dovish as was said. And mm. I think possibly going into the break, people are are really thinking about how much risk they want to have on over the holiday. But what does that mean for, I guess, the end of the year performance, especially if we look at the Nasdaq 100, right? It is up a whopping 41 percent for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we going to see a repeat of uh, this outperformance next year or do you think we're at the we're at the zenith of the euphoria? Uh, are we at the zenith? I don't know. The, uh, certainly the rate of rise will slow. Um, we I seriously doubt we're going to see things fall off dramatically in, say, January, but you know, we just to give you an example, we you know we forecast markets as you know and currencies and stuff. So we had forecast a 5.65 percent rise in Nasdaq for December, and up until 1:30 today, it had risen six percent. Uh, so that you know, so we're pretty good at forecasting that. Mm. Our average expectation for Nasdaq in 2024 is uh, 14,746, which is a fall from now. So I would expect. We'll start out Q1 fairly okay, but through the year, the appeal of NASDAQ is going to decline as people accept that higher for longer, you know, uh, is here to stay, um, which doesn't mean uh, rates are going to continue to rise, but they're not going to fall, you know, six for six cuts or whatever, uh, 10 cuts that some people are saying. Mm. Tony, it wasn't solely growth stocks which captured the limelight. Now, cyclical names like Carnival Cruises and GE saw their share prices surge 117 and 86% respectively respectively in 2023. Now, are investors likely to see more symmetric returns coming from growth and defensive companies next year? Uh, It's unlikely, sadly. We saw companies expand margins with cost inflation as an excuse to justify price rises as incomes grew and government cash handouts accumulated. But we really saw that stuff stop uh, in 2023, second quarter, third quarter, with inflation abating. Now, inflation abating doesn't mean prices falling. It just means that the rate of price rises is slowing. Um, So pay rises are unlikely to continue, uh, and consumers will likely have to tighten their belts. Uh, As that happens, cyclicals will settle. So things like uh, travel and tourism, things like GE, will, will have to settle a bit. 
Um, and the returns really depend on your risk appetite. So where to look? I, I would I would say look at things like finance and banking, uh, some natural resources like miners. I wouldn't necessarily go directly in commodity prices, but I would look at some of those guys who process natural resources, those sorts of things. So, Tony, overall, what's your investment outlook and advice for 2024 when it comes to asset allocation then? Because bonds were very volatile this year. Is it going to continue next year? Equities surprisingly did much better despite the talk of a recession that has yet to materialise. What's your recommendation? Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at the 10-year, for example, I think it's hard to see the 10-year much higher than, say, 4% over the next few months at least. Um, Sentiment is really dovish or has been really dovish. Um, The words out of the Fed haven't, they haven't completely walked back um, Powell's very dovish uh, briefing uh, last week. Uh, And so it's, you know, people still believe that the economy has a way to run and that uh, rates will come down dramatically. Um, I actually think that 24 is probably going to be a pretty lackluster year. Um, I think after the excitement of the last few years, I think we could all do for a little less excitement uh, for a period of time. But, you know, the Fed, you know, has really been trying to crush volatility and cap yields. Uh, So they're trying to take the risk out of the market, but not have the market get out of control. Can we take a look at some of the year-end themes that have been circulating around? And this mm-hmm. really uh, comes from the U- UN Climate Change Conference uh, that took place in December, COP28. It did stop short of calling for a phase-out of fossil fuels, opting instead for a transition away from them, and specifically in energy systems. How are markets responding to this development? And what do you think are the implications of investors in the energy sector? Is this more likely to be a long-term development rather than a short-term one? Absolutely a long-term development. So COP28 paved the way for a much longer path to fully green feedstocks. Um, And they even talked about coal and kind of released some of the pressure on coal power generation. Um, Part of the problem here is higher interest rates. So higher interest rates are making these very costly green projects much more expensive. So the government bureaucrats who are really pushing this stuff have to find a way to temper expectations for that green spending without completely surrendering to the fiscal constraints. So, you know, a lot of these, say, middle income and emerging markets that, you know, are having are, are pushing green projects or having been pushed on them. This is where budgets are super tight. Right. Look at a, a country like Sri Lanka, where, they, you know, they have an IMF, you know, uh, support. Uh, there's push for green technologies, but they just can't afford to do it. So a lot of countries are looking at balancing that out and trying to figure out how they continue to move toward a greener future, but balancing out the fiscal reality of higher interest rates and budget constraints. Now, we've been reading news about disruptions in the supply chain, especially in the Red Sea region. Now, geopolitical tensions have caused shipping companies to divert over $30 billion worth of cargo away from the Red Sea. What are the potential economic impacts, especially on the price of oil, from disruptions on global supply chains? Yeah, I, you know, it really depends on the horizon and how long this is going to last. So I would expect this to be a relatively short-term event. If it is uh, a relatively short-term event, then it's pretty inconvenient. It's it's pretty inconvenient, but it's not really all that costly because we have shipping rates that are pretty low. We have fuel rates that are pretty low. Uh, so the impact, aside from delays, and in the West, we're kind of at the end of the holiday season or we're mid-holiday season, but things shipping have already shipped, right, in terms of finished mm-hmm. goods. 
So the impact on consumers isn't going to be felt like this is, you know, if they're going to do this, this is probably a really good time of year to do it because everything's in shops. Tony, thanks so much for speaking to us uh, and Merry Christmas to you. We look forward to catching up in the new year. That was Tony Nash, CEO of Complete Intelligence, giving us his take on some of the trends that he sees moving markets in the days and weeks ahead, commenting there on the shipping disruptions in the Red Sea, as well as uh, what the impact might be on oil prices also coming up uh, out of COP28 and just the developments that could happen in the energy landscape. I wonder whether 2024 is going to be the year of the Magnificent Seven, right? It was so much the year for, it was so much talked about in 2023. These seven stocks that literally lifted up the um, NASDAQ and of course the S&P 500. Of course, the seven are Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, NVIDIA, Meta and Tesla. <laughs> I feel like it's getting longer and longer. It used to be the Fang stocks, and yeah. then it was like Fang, and then now yeah, it's the Magnificent Seven. Yeah, it went from like one A to double A's, right? And now it's a whole new acronym. So I don't know. Are they, are they going to add a new, new like Magnificent, Magnificent Eight, Nine, Ten, or is it just going to be down to maybe the Magnificent Three? Because some haven't done so well. For example, Tesla is the one that actually hasn't performed at all. That surprised me. Uh, but talking about, I think. Th- Overnight, there was a big US stock that came up with results, the biggest chip maker there, which is actually Micron, and it did better than expected. That's right. So Micron issued a strong revenue forecast for the current period and uh, reporting for the first quarter results topped Wall Street estimates. This really sent uh, the shares of Micron surging about 4% in extended trading. Um, So this is as data center demand is making up for a slowly recovering PC and smartphone market. So in the fiscal first quarter that ended on 30th of November, Micron saw a 16% year-on-year rise in its revenue to $4.7 billion. Loss per share came in at $0.95, cents, which was better than what analyst estimates are. And now the largest US maker of memory chips expects fiscal second quarter revenue to be between $5.1 to $5.5 billion US dollars versus average estimate of $4.99 billion. Okay, so this pales in comparison with NVIDIA, right? Which also does chips, but of course, NVIDIA is all about... Artificial intelligence is the number one proxy if you want to write that theme. But Micron on a year-to-date basis still up 54%. Now, does a street like this because it hasn't been doing so well in the past in terms of the results? Is Are we at the trough? You know, And the indications are yes. So unsurprisingly, there are 30 buys, 7 holes, 2 sells. Consensus target price for Micron is $85 US dollars and 25 cents. During after market hours, actually, the stock did trade up 8%, right? So indicating that I think investors are going to be more optimistic just based on the guidance uh, that the company is giving. All right. It is 7.17 a.m. Let's head into some messages, but we'll come back to cover the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.